all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and today we are going to talk about the things that bring you comfort. You know, the world can sometimes feel like a really dangerous and frightening place and And honestly, in the last few months, that's all we've heard is negative. But today, we're going to talk about the things that can make you feel happy and at ease. So what are they for you? Could it be the smell of that favorite apple pie? The sun in your face? Laughter? Just laughter? Or maybe a random act of kindness? So take time this morning to recall the things that make you feel safe and secure. Honestly, it'll make your whole day better if you start thinking about them right now. And I want to hear what you think about all that. We'll talk about your life, what makes you happy, and how how maybe you can turn things around by using those things that make you happy when you really need them. And you know, we're we're at the end of winter, coming up upon spring, um, which always makes me happy, I'll say that. But um, there's still, we've still got that cold weather. There are people who are dealing with lots of things and that have gone on in the winter and in the darkness. And so now let's let's try to put a little happy light on things. So I wanted to start this um, by telling you a couple of little stories. Um, shortly before my father died, my sister from Dallas was in town to visit him when he was very ill. She was staying with us, and all seemed fairly stable, and she was planning on flying back home. So for breakfast that morning, my husband cut up some watermelon as part of the breakfast, and he gave it to her as he was making the eggs and she immediately burst into tears. And soon after the sobbing uh, stopped, she told Robert that watermelon was one of her comfort foods. And she was so grateful to him for serving it. It it just made her feel better. Robert and I, he didn't quite understand why that food could feel so comforting. He'd never heard of watermelon as being a comfort food. Not a typical one, Right. Well, you know, we were talking about comfort foods, and he told me that story this morning. He had never told me that before. But I immediately knew why watermelon was her comfort food. And that was because when we were all little, um, 
all of our really fun memories with my father were around having watermelon with him, which, oddly enough, um, we would make trips to the Natchez Trace. Uh, We'd go to a skate park. We'd go to a picnic. But there was always an ice-cold watermelon. We'd make watermelon teeth, see how far we could spit the seeds. All in all, for my siblings and myself, watermelon brings wonderful thoughts. And I am sure there are eight of us, and I am sure that every single one of them would agree with me. So that's an odd comfort food. You know, most people think of comfort foods being um, something like a pasta dish or something like that. No, in my family, it's watermelon. Well, here's another uh, family story. Often on a cold winter afternoon, especially on the weekend when things are kind of quiet, I'm drawn to make soup. Many times I make chicken and rice soup or something fairly simple, but I'll have a pot boiling on the stove. And and again, Robert has said um, that it's really just the act of Smelling the preparation of the food, the aromas are as comforting as the food itself. Do you find that you're the same way? What is it that makes you feel secure? Are there aromas there? Do you know why it works that way? Do you think there really are real comfort foods? Do you think that security or comfort items are common, or do you think that maybe not not so common? Um, What about just a song or an old movie? Are they sometimes comforting to you, like that old friend who talks to you, but you really don't have to talk back? So as we are going through, give us a call. Join the conversation about what makes you feel good. What kind of memories do you have that bring comfort to you? Or are there aromas or an actual item? You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Let's try to make everybody feel good today. I think we all need it. Well, let me tell you a couple more things about um, comfort items or security items. Uh, Listen to this. This is probably something that will surprise you. According to a survey by Travelodge in 2011, 35% of British adults still sleep with a teddy bear. Now, that was back in 2011, but that wasn't that long ago. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, in some cultures where children seem to spend more time with a parent, less time with um, anyone else, less time early on in child care or in preschools, they those children are less likely to use a security object. And there, there might be some reasoning behind that as we move along. We'll talk about that. But let me give you a little bit more data on that very thing. So about 50% of American children develop attachments to security objects, whereas only 20% of Korean children do so. Now, is that because 
We parents tend to give children security items or insist that they have them. Or do you think it's um, because American children don't feel as secure? Um, Or is it because American children perhaps need transition items? So we'll talk about, as we move along, what those reasons might be. And you can jump in at any time and give your opinion. Okay, here's another study. About 30% of urban Italian children use security objects, but only 5% of Italian children who live in rural areas have attachment objects. Now, you might ask, um, why is that? Is it urban that urban children feel less secure? Or is it that rural children have fewer items, or are they more often just with their parents and no one else? So it suggests that perhaps child-rearing practices influence attachments to inanimate objects. Um, We may do that. Um, It also may be that children are using attachment objects, and maybe adults. You just heard me say that a large portion, almost a third or more than a third of the British population, has that, that security item, who are adults. So um, maybe we're using them as transitional objects as we're moving from one area of our life to another um, to just make us feel a little more secure. Um, Or is it that we parents want our children to have something to think of us when they're away from home? Um, I'm not sure about that answer. And, you know, there's some research out there that looks at comfort foods that we'll talk about as we move along in the show. But there's really not um, a whole lot done looking too much at why we have those security items other than there's the thought that perhaps it's that it's reminding us of home. So... Um, Do you know when the security blanket was popularized? Is there any particular character that you remember who had a security blanket? Um, If you're thinking about Linus, then you're right. So the security blanket was really popularized um, with Charles Schultz's Peanuts cartoon. You know, Lucy's younger brother was Linus, Linus Van Pelt, and he called it his security and happiness blanket. And that was way back in 1952. That's when uh, Linus first appeared. Security blankets were present before that, but they really did seem to take off after that. So um, is it just by example that we do this? Or um, perhaps is there another reason? So join the conversation about what 
comfort foods are out there, what security objects, or perhaps maybe um, if there is particular music or a movie that makes you feel comfortable and secure. Join our conversation this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and this is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. And today we're talking about things that bring comfort to you. So as many of you are on spring break with your kids and um, many of us are sort of regrouping before the spring comes about, uh, it's time to think about what can make us happy. How can we put those smiles back in our face after maybe a difficult winter with lots of negative things that have been going on today? We're talking about what makes you feel good. What brings comfort? What do you use for security? And why do you think you use that? Are there particular great memories in your life that um, if you make yourself stop and recall those, that it just puts a smile on your face or makes you feel good? Or are there some foods out there, perhaps, aromas out there that, um, that make you happy um, and make you feel good and and affect that area of the brain that really makes life feel better. Uh, give us a call. Join the conversation at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So, Let's talk just a little bit before we get into comfort foods and a couple of studies that um, have gone on about those. Let's talk a little bit about the, the area of the brain that we're talking about. So, you know, we've talked a whole lot on this radio show about the prefrontal cortex and the cortex and the reasoning area of your brain and um, the executive function, paying attention, the things that make you problem solve and all that. Well, today, that's not the area of the brain we're talking about. Today, we're talking about really the limbic system. And the limbic system is thought to be one of those primitive areas of the brain. It probably developed in humans um, in evolutionary-wise earlier. 
And so the limbic system is is the area of the brain that you really develop more mood. Your neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine are those chemical messengers that come from deep in your brain that help with with mood and value. And um, so it's it's the amygdala is the area of the brain that is highly emotional. It's a relatively small portion of the brain, but it has a lot of significance for emotions, um, positive memories, and the like. And so any of those great romantic memories are, are housed um, are housed there. So individuals who really aren't very emotional have a much smaller amygdala. Um, and that whole uh, limbic system seems to not be as high functioning as others. So um, that limbic system has a lot of a lot to do with our mood. Um, it also has a lot to do with our emotional responses. We've talked about that before. The increase in heart rate and blood pressure is not always just because of fight or flight. It may be due to just incredible happiness. Um, probably one of the the biggest belly laughs I've had in a really long time was when we were out to eat with uh two of our grandchildren, my little granddaughters, and the oldest decided that she was um, going to show us magic tricks and did hocus-pocus magic tricks that were uh, absolutely hysterical, and I laughed and laughed. And it was, I felt good the rest of the day. So that laughter is the best medicine is really something that I think we think is a very cliche, trite thing to say, but um, that can be one of the very best things for you. So seeing a comedy show, um, listening to a comedian, reading something light and funny can be um, amazingly good for you and make a huge difference in your sense of well-being um, and a, a huge difference in, in the way you feel the rest of the day and actually can enhance the ability for you to remember situations when, when you um, are feeling less anxious. That anxiety often can undermine just about anything you want to do. So, well, let's talk a little bit about um, comfort food. So how true do you think uh, that there are certain comfort foods out there that really make a huge difference? And um, when do you use comfort food? Uh, there's been some research over the years, actually, that has looked at uh, comfort food and whether or not it's a real thing. It may be that the foods associated with a sense of home or contentment or nostalgia, like I said at at my story at the beginning of the hour, that watermelon is that comfort food, perhaps, for my family. Um, is it truly the food that does it? 
or is it a physical response to uh, some memory that you had? So there's some evidence out there that um, we're not sure. Um, Research supports the idea that familiar items can help minimize negative aspects of change or disruption. And we tend to think this from an early age, just like we were talking about those comfort items in the form of pacifiers or blankets or stuffed animals. And, And certainly, I'm sure there are many a home out there with those stuffed animals um, that that children have used. But um, when you move to comfort foods, um, what what some researchers tried to do um, in a, a study was to to look at the validity of comfort food premise. So let, let me talk to you a little bit about the study. So in the first series, researchers explored Uh, product choice and familiarity between participants who were experiencing high and low life changes. So these were, this was an American study and American participants were offered a choice between a drawing uh, for a very popular brand of potato chips and an unfamiliar brand of British potatoes called crisp. So in, in Britain, they call them crisp and not potato chips. So um, they looked at people who were reportedly in higher degrees of life changes. And so you would think that they would be more likely to choose what? You would think they'd be more likely to choose something that was very familiar to them. So if they were familiar with a particular brand, say, Lay's potato chips, that's a common one, um, that they would choose those because they knew what they were about. It didn't have anything to do um, with a different um, change. But what happened is they tended, those people who were going through more severe changes, tended to choose the crisp, interestingly enough, the British crisp. So what was that about? The the response wasn't exactly what you would expect from the comfort food premise. You would expect that they might be choosing something comfortable. So why? What do you think might be the reason that they would do something, choose something that was brand new? So give us a call and we'll talk about that. You can call one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Okay. So they chose the crisp. So let's do let's keep going. I'll tell you about another study that was done. Researchers compared the choice of the unfamiliar item to the expected item held by um, participants. So they were asked what chip type they felt their peers would choose against high and low degrees of changes in their lives. So guess what they did? What they did was they chose that their peers would decide on the familiar object. So they indicated that if 
someone they knew was given an old item or a new item and they were in a point of stress that they would choose the old item. So, interesting, huh? Well, we have Robert in Mobile who's called in, and maybe Robert has an answer to this, so let's go to him. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. Well, unfortunately, I don't have the answers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, I had something unusual with the first son. Uh, uh, My son used my ear. Ah, uh-huh. Him holding my ear was his security. Uh-huh. And this continued for, you know, until he was, you know, five, you know, where he my lap anymore. But that's how he would go to sleep, was by holding and rubbing my earlobe. There was never, you know, neither one of my children ever had an item um, that they used for, you know, kind of security. Uh-huh. But, again, like you said, we're more in the... Uh, the you know the rural area so. are you interesting so did did he was he um at home longer with um with you and mom than uh in in child care just curious uh he was in child care actually mm-hmm. he, he went to daycare mm-hmm. and you know he was fine but it was I don't, I don't know if it was just how he liked to go to sleep That's, or yeah. <laughs> how he how he relaxed but mm-hmm. you know it, it always baffled me yeah. Well, you know what, Robert, you are not the only one. I have right. uh, seen that occur uh, many times. Children um, playing with parents' ear, um, twirling their hair, rubbing mm-hmm. their face. Those are all issues. And I bet there's several callers out there, um, several listeners out there who who truly had the same thing happen. And right. that's it, yeah, it's one of my fondest memories of, you know, of him uh-huh. he's sixteen now. <laughs> uh-huh. so, and he's you know, probably you know. mortified that you're calling in to tell about oh, that. Oh, Maybe oh, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that is one of those soothing things. So um, it does. Well, it was relaxing to both of us, actually, because, <laughs> you, know, you know, I had someone rubbing my ear. And it was, you know, <laughs> I, we were both we would both doze off on the sofa together. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, we do. Children and adults do things that can be very self-soothing um and i would dare to say that there there are several people out there who if you think about what do you do when you're trying to self-calm um and so the the thumb sucking the rubbing something um often can be um one of those soothing things that can be calm so you're you're right yeah it was probably soothing to you and I always wondered too if it was a reciprocal response because he he knew that I didn't dislike it, and you know it was something that he liked, and you know it made me smile, made my wife smile, and you know I wonder if it was just kind of a, uh, a, a you know like a self self fulfilling type thing where he would 
respond to our responses or yeah. if it was just something that he latched onto and that decided it, that, you know, <laughs> that's what made him comfortable. Well, probably both, because yeah. if if you enjoyed it, then you probably reinforced it and it made right. you feel closer and it made him feel secure and very close. So yeah. um, those are just some of those things, those that that security um Piece that now I know there are probably some parents out there who didn't like it at all yeah. and would would put a stop to it. And I bet that the child went to something else. Um, right. Maybe maybe their thumb, maybe a blanket, maybe something else to be soothing. Yeah. I'm not saying that parents who discourage that are wrong. I'm just saying that you know that if a child needs what something to yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah if often that that soothing piece is something that um, makes for a more satisfied child, a child who can be happier if they can find a way to self-soothe. Um, and that that goes along with being able to fall asleep, too, as right, you're right. moving and, along. And he was such a, great, such a great baby because, he, you know, he just, he, I mean, this was from the time he could, 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 you know, could actually reach and grab things. Uh-huh. You know, if that, that was one of the first things that he he, he would you know, reach out and grab. With so my it ear. probably started around five or six months because yeah, because was, really was, that's when very, they start reaching young. out. Yeah, and it, you know it continued for a while. And, uh, yeah, Robert, I hear you smiling on the phone just thinking yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> great? I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody can. It's just a very fond memory. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I appreciate the call. All right. Um, Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. So other other listeners, what what kind of things do you have memories about with your child? What what did they use to soothe themselves? Or did you did you try to introduce something to try to help them learn to be self-soothers? All children aren't. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to stay on the phone. Let's go to Mary in South Haven. Good morning, Mary. Thanks for calling. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I love um, love this show so much. And thank you. Um, uh, this is not about me and my child, because, but it is sort of about a child, because the older I get, the more childish I get. And, uh, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've been having a, really a lot of trouble keeping up with with my things i mean uh, and and i live with my son and i'm like a toddler following him around can you help me find my my phone can you help me find my glasses (laughs) my car keys and and i'm really getting started feeling really bad about it but i've 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 instituted a, a habit that make me feel a lot more relaxed and comfortable and that is when i finish with my car I put the keys always in my pocketbook. I have a special little zip-up place where they go. When I finish um, uh, my glasses, I have either sunglasses or, or regular glasses. I have my, my cases in my pocketbook, and I never put them anyplace else. And then when I um, – and my phone is either charging up or in my purse. And I've been doing it for about three weeks, going on a month now. And it's getting to be automatic. And it's such a relief to know where my things are. And also, in case of fire or something like that, 
I could just pick up my pocketbook and leave, and I'd be set. You know, I'd have my keys, my phone, and my sunglasses. That is wonderful advice, Mary, and something that I probably need to take heed to. I'm sure there are a couple of people out there listening (laughs) who are saying, yes, Susan. One or two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, that's a great idea. And just that brings security, doesn't it? So doing things that bring security to you can make you feel happier because you're not constantly worried about, okay, where did I put that? And Exactly. Um, yeah. It's so stressful. Yeah. And a lot of times I have um, bad eyes and uh, and it'll, it'll be right there and I can't see it because my glasses are designed to be invisible. <laughs> so <laughs> that's no help at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. That's great advice, Mary. And, and again, one of those things that brings comfort to you. Um, right. And, and, and one to of those, my son. And to your son. <laughs> And everybody else that has to help me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that call. That's very helpful, I think, to probably many of us out okay. here. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And y'all do a great job and much, much appreciated. Thanks, Mary. Let's stay, stay on the phones. We'll go now to um, Laura. And I'm not sure if this... Where are you, Laura? Vahelia. Vahelia. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, Just thanks. Just a little for... north of Holly Springs. Yeah, yeah. Familiar with it. Um, well, tell us what I, your thoughts are. I just are. had a comment, more or less, about the self, self-soothing uh-huh. uh, conversation that you were having before. Right. I, I am well past 50 now, but as a child... I rocked in the bed. I could, you know, I would just rock my body. And my mm-hmm. mother says that I would rock the baby bed all the way across the room. <laughs> and But that was my... And then I had a little girl rocking chair. And when I would get in trouble, I would go sit in that rocking chair and just rock, just rock, 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 hard as I could. And that was my self-soothing. Well, my grandson, who's now seven, he doesn't do this any longer, but when he was in the baby bed... He did the same thing, but I mean, he would literally bump his head against the uh-huh. baby bed. You would, and, but he would be asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he would do that rocking, the same thing. So I just thought that was interesting that it would somewhat run in the family a little bit. We know, um, Laura, that is something that we often hear uh, in our clinic that parents get concerned about with uh, um, the rocking like that or the soft head. Like you said, the, typically it's not head banging that right, leaves a right, bump. No, 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 right. no, not, not, no. But it's that soft banging against a pillow, a soft object or something that sometimes will, will cause some movement of the bed or whatever that can be very normal and again often those are individuals you and your grandson who learn how uh, what they need some people need the swinging motion some people need just the the soft padding motion but but something to help with that self-soothing and it can be very relaxing and mean nothing um you know i think um in the area with so much awareness um, now with autism spectrum, sometimes um, 
parents become concerned when children have right. some sort of repetitive behavior like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's uh, obviously it's very easy to tell the difference in a self-soother, a child who's who's doing something just to self-soothe versus a child who has some abnormal repetitive movement that is part of a another whole uh, right. um, symptom um or well, it was just a comment. Yeah, uh, I just thought it was. I just found that very interesting. That, and I still like to rock in a rocking chair. I, it's very relaxing to me to rock in a rocking chair. Oh, I love that. Love a swing too. Yeah, I, I, I wish that? they made those baby swings in adult size. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wish. <laughs> uh, Laura, thanks for your call, and I'm glad you brought that that up. You know that the the rocking and head banging are just part of that self-soothing, the comforting that we were talking about. Right. Okay. Have a good day. You too. Well, what we'll do is we'll go to our next break. Uh, We're talking about what do you do to comfort yourself? What out there have you used? Or what about your children or grandchildren? How do they soothe themselves? Do you have some recommendations for others or maybe some questions? You can give us a call at one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about things that bring comfort to you, the things that make you feel good. Um, And we've been talking about them, and I want you to think about them and maybe give us a call and let us know what some of those things are. I've got a list from a UK healthcare group that sponsored a survey asking 2,000 people what brought them happiness, and I have the top 50. I would love for you to call in and let's see if if one of yours makes that top 50. You can give us a call at 1877 MPB 776727464 you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. And by the way, you can listen to any of these um, Southern Remedy shows including Red- relatively speaking on podcast um at any time. So would love for you to do that, too. Well, while I'm waiting for you to give us a call on what some of those things that make you feel great are, um, I want to tell you a little bit more about the the food. Um, 
uh, issue. Uh, now, this came from the Journal of Nature back in uh, 99, 1999. So it's been a long time ago. Report, interestingly enough, there are not a huge whole lot of studies out there really looking at um, the influence on um, food. But research has shown that um, a fatty meal, irrespective of the um, the caloric content causes sleepiness. That's not a big surprise, is it? So as well as making us sleepy, though, it also seems that um, fat in your diet has some comforting effect. So I think sometimes we get so, so bent on health that we forget that a little bit of fat in our diet, especially um, the unsaturated fats, are, can be good for you. And certainly there are certain oils like olive oil that can, can certainly um, be good for you and healthy. So um, when... When you look at that, it's really important to remember that. They found that people in in this study I'm talking about, that people who had eaten a a meal that had um, fatty pancakes, um, that they, um, if they ate it about an hour and a half before having their writing hand immersed in ice water, they felt less pain than those who had eaten a low-fat meal. So interesting um, that it does seem that somehow a bit of a fatty meal can can be somewhat protective to pain. And there have been a couple of um, studies that have shown that, also protective to anxiety. So if you've eaten uh, a diet with some fat in it, you're less likely to feel severe anxiety as if you had a simple carbohydrate diet. That's not a big surprise to me. And that would likely be because with a, a simple carbohydrate diet, what happens? Your blood sugar drops, jumps up, um, goes high. Um, carbohydrates, simple carbohydrates are easy to metabolize and digest. So then um, it goes away quickly. Whereas fats take a lot more energy to digest, you stay full longer, and so that that alone is likely that reason. So, um, all right, we'll go to another study in a minute, but I want to go back uh, to the phones. We have Mikey in Mobile who's calling in. Uh, Mikey, are you calling to tell us what makes you happy? I just rediscovered it yesterday, Dr. Petrus. Um, uh, and it's, it wasn't my fault all entirely. Uh-huh. Um, it's been the weather and uh, the flu season and, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, stuff that happens, right? Right. But yesterday was the first day that I was, now I had to wait because right now we've got 30 degrees overnight up to 60, you know, during the day. So when it warmed up enough, I got out there and I started Pulling up Nandinas, which um, uh, Nandinas are—it's uh, <laughs> like uh, grabbing onto. You got to put on leather gloves and grab onto some underground ropes and yank them up. 
and um, I felt so good after <laughs> doing that for a while. Yeah, and digging and mowing, and I mean mowing not with a, um, a motorized mower. I have a, a small a push area. Mower. And I'm, uh, yeah. use it as a trim. You know the the old real mowers, R E E L. Yeah, yeah, and uh, absolutely because it reminds me of my grandmother. And and the, the you know and the gardening stuff reminds me of both all of my grandparents and the sunshine and the the weather is cool enough and the bugs aren't out yet and it's great and anybody if you can't do it in your own spot you know go find somebody else I mean I'll be glad to come over here <laughs> yeah well you know you're bringing up something that I think people so many individuals like myself love the spring and I think a big part of it is because of some of those top 50 things that make us feel happy um, sun on my face I love the sunshine I love to be outside mm-hmm. and and not in a sunbathing way but in a a healthy uh, way of just being out there in the daylight and and feeling feeling that warm sun on my face. You mentioned Even exercise. My dogs love to dig. <laughs> right, right. Well, that makes them happy too. Um, but yeah, the the exercise, the um, the sun on your face, the um, planting. Um, there are many people who find pleasure from um, just creating and planning, um, but also sometimes the smells. Um, uh, Mikey, oh, yeah. just, you just brought up the um, the cut grass. The freshly cut grass is in the top 20 of um, things that make people feel really good. So... Um, I'll tell you um, as we're moving along, uh, Mikey, thanks so much for your call uh, because you, you brought up something. I think there are many in the the top ten, um, but I would love other callers to give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring We still have open lines. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Well, let's talk about uh, a couple of other things um, as we're waiting for those callers uh, about what makes them happy. We'll go to them. I'm going to tell you one more um, quick study um, about food again, uh, looking at the the fact that another study looked at having a high-carbohydrate meal versus um, a meal with protein and fat in it. Um, And once again, um, it was found that if individuals tended to have an anxiety or um, anger-presenting issue going on, that if they had protein and fat in their diet and less simple carbohydrate, they managed the stress and and anger better. There was a lower level of response to anger than if they had a simple carbohydrate diet. Again, it might have had to do with that that surge of blood sugar and then the drop. So um, as we're talking along, just keep in mind, um, even if uh, carbohydrates make you feel good, remember you want to get complex carbohydrates so you don't have that quick glucose surge and uh, and then a drop. 
Okay, we have Laura now, Laura Lee in Starkville. Good morning, Laura. Thanks for Good thanks morning. for calling in. Good morning. I am um, sixty years old and very active, and always used exercise as my go-to for comfort. Right. And I always said I would never do what my mother-in-law did, which she sat and knitted and quilted and (laughs) wove on a loom. Ah. And I always thought, oh, I will never do that. Well, in 2011, I started knitting due to some things that were going on in my life that I felt like I needed a different kind of comfort, uh-huh. and knitting has become my go-to now for comfort, and it's a wonderful thing to learn even when you're older. And I would suggest um, that to anyone who isn't able to get out and exercise and get those natural endorphins that way to try some handwork uh. because it really brought me a lot of comfort in a time in my life when I needed it. Well, you know, Laura, that is a wonderful um, recommendation, and and I wish you would just speak for another minute or so about um, why you find that so comforting. What happens when you're knitting? Are you able to think about all the negative things that are going on out there? No, um, it's it's akin to uh, mindful of uh-huh. mindfulness. You uh-huh. have to concentrate on the stitches, especially when you're learning. Right. And I also decided to do it in anticipation of grandchildren. And so I was doing something for someone else at the same time. And it just absolutely, it's, it's almost like meditation. Mm-hmm. I would say it, it gets your mind off whatever is troubling you. And breaks that cycle, if you will, Absolutely. at the same time that you're, you know, learning a new skill, which is so important for all of us as we age and challenge ourselves and get get out of our comfort zones. So yeah. I think all those things contributed to why knitting, for me, I had a strong motivation to learn to do it, and I was willing to put in the work to learn a new skill, and it just, uh, I have four projects going on right now and they're all for other people and it's just just a wonderful wonderful thing and it if you're sedentary and you can't do some of the things that you know other people recommend for you to do such as exercise or even walking or anything a lot of people can still sit and you know learn even on youtube from videos and things like that how to knit or crochet yeah that's wonderful uh, mention because uh, just having something, you're exactly right. That's you went exactly where I wanted you to go. It it's getting into the moment. It's more like meditation. It's when you're when you're counting stitches and changing colors and creating something, you're there. You're with it, and so it'll take your mind off some of those other things that perhaps are cluttering up your mind. I've been taking art lessons. Am I an incredible artist? No. But what it does when I do it is I get into the moment. I'm really using that right brain hard, trying really hard to do something creative. And and so it does completely distract you from, from perhaps other things that are negative. And you said something over and over. You're doing something for 
somebody else, which is a very selfless thing, uh, Laura Lee. So I really appreciate that call at the end of the hour. That was really a good way to summarize things, to just immerse yourself in something that's bringing you pleasure so so that you you don't have to worry about whether the world's going to survive. So um, the sun in your face, uh, freshly brewed coffee, having a long hot bath. There's so many things that you can do that are simple and really don't cost anything. So get out there and do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Today's show is engineered by Jay White, our call screener, Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope that you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.